What if I told you that growth isn't always good or that growth doesn't always make a startup better or that often our focus on growth ends up running counter to what our goal should actually be, improving our startup, not just making it larger. As founders, we can become so distracted by growth that we forget to ask ourselves, what about the growth actually matters? Today on the Startup Therapy Podcast, we're gonna talk about why the focus should be making our startups better, not just bigger. So, Will, as a company, we've grown a lot, right? Startups.com has grown significantly in, in the last seven years since we started this thing. But when you're talking about the company, like, is, is that where you go to first? Is that what we're most proud of? Is that what you're most proud of is the growth? You know, it's funny you should say that because in a lot of cases, I don't even bring it up. You know, I mean, when yeah. I start talking about, like, the different aspects of the company, the first thing that comes to my mind is everything but numeric growth, right? I mean, that just seems like trite by comparison because so much of our effort goes into so many other aspects of building the product and increasing the culture and everything else like that. Just saying, hey, we grew 50% or 100% or by millions of dollars, et cetera, that's cool. I mean, it's great. But it just, it doesn't feel like that's the entirety of our experience. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that for a minute. So, it, and it's not that we don't care about growth, right? Obviously, we care about growth. Um, but I think that having a healthy relationship with what what grows and, and what needs to grow in order to improve the business is an important discussion to have. But before we do that, let's let's talk about, you know, the fact that like, who does care about growth? You know, in, in your opinion, who does growth matter most to? It, it, it's funny as well, because in, <laughs> we talk about that and I'm like, the people I'm trying to grow for, the people I'm most focused on, and, and Ryan, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm speaking for you in this case as well are people like are the team, the people that actually work here, the people that pour their heart and soul into this company and try to create the things that we care so much about. I want to see you know growth within uh, how our, our customers relate to our product, right? Is it a better product? You, know, you can be yeah. a bigger company and still have a shit product. I mean, look at yeah, Microsoft sure. for years, yeah. right? Um, <laughs> still right? looking no, at you, Microsoft. I mean, still yeah, yeah. Outlook. I mean, we won't talk about you know Windows 8 at all or not nine. Emmy, um, Emmy. But, <laughs> but being able to grow for our customers, say our product is geometrically better than it was last year. That's really important to me, right? Or, or the partners, the people that we actually sit down with and say, look, we're going to be a great partner for you. We're going to build together over time. Uh, you know, ha- are we a better partner? Are we fulfilling on those promises? Sure. So you're, you're talking about quality then. You're, we're not talking yeah, growth uh, now. We're talking about quality. So you're talking about this is what we want to focus on and and we want to make sure that you know we're we're building something of quality and it's a quality environment for the team it's a quality outcome for the the customers it's it's quality interactions with the partners so what's the inverse of that who who strictly cares about quality i mean so who strictly uh, cares about qua- growth rather sorry growth right well <laughs> not people that don't matter. So I, so I, you know, I don't want to take this off the table, but you know, investors care about growth. They put money sure. in. They care about that you're 100% bigger than you were last year, right? Yep. You know, I, yep. I get that. Uh, the media cares about growth. Try calling TechCrunch and say, guess what? We've grown 0%, but our culture is so much better. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> right. Um, you know, and, and then I, I hate to say it, but it's got to be in the back of our minds. It's kind of, that sewing circle of other founders, right? It's this, sure. it's this cocktail party where you're sitting there and 
some somebody says to you, so how's your startup doing? How's it growing, et cetera? And you yep. want to say, insert biggest number that will impress them. Whether yeah, you exactly. think that you care about that stuff or not, I, I, I have to believe it's stuck in the in the back of a lot of founders' mind. And so, so sure. by virtue of that, caring about growth numerically. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And it, it's, it is a bit of a currency within, within that space in particular, right? It's the, it's the cigarettes in prison version of the startup culture, right? It's, we trade our stats around and <laughs> kind this of is what gives us street right? cred, right? So, yeah, but, all right, but, so, but the, the, sorry, the, the, I was going to say the problem though is the conversation is often in the wrong place. Like I think it's once again, kind of a broken narrative that the only growth that matters is numeric growth. And, and while, I don't want to say numeric growth doesn't matter because I don't I don't think that's true. I just think that's a small part of the equation and you know what I'm hoping we can kind of dig into today is maybe growth actually just isn't important to your startup. Maybe from a growth standpoint, you're as big as you need to be, right? And and yeah. I think there's there's a lot of merit in that discussion and I think it never gets talked about. You know, yeah. I rarely yeah, ever it's, hear it's a sort of like you're either you're either growing or you're dying. Right. It's it's the yeah. publisher parish uh, version of the startup world. Right. It's if you're not growing, then you're no longer relevant. You're not important. Oh, you're starting to fail. Right. Not growing doesn't mean you're starting to fail. It's a totally different thing. Right. Like, I look at it and I say, why is it OK that I'm a two person company? Like, wh- why if, if I don't get to three people? I should feel some sort of shame or guilt or humiliation that I couldn't make it to three people. Like, why the fuck does that matter? Right? Well, if your brand name and, is Triangle, it, it, it might. But, you know, other than that, <laughs> I can't think of a strong reason. But I got to tell you, man, I've seen a lot of absolutely amazing small companies, you know, small staff, small revenue, small what have you. And what I love about some of them is that they take pride in their size. Right. And and I think nobody has probably exemplified that to me more than the 30, 37 signals now base camp guys, uh, Jason and David, um, who have built, you know, obviously 37 signals, which then kind of really morphed back into basecamp.com. Yep. Here's a couple of guys who've built a massive business. And, and and when I say a massive business, not just financially, it does extraordinarily well, a massive footprint and influence for what their businesses yeah. have done reached and millions Ryan, and millions of people incredible and they've been adamant about keeping that business as small as possible and i, I can recall a few years back and <laughs> i'm just getting funny in saying this i recall a few years back uh where there was a post that i think jason and david had put out saying that we're, we're going to basically shed all of our other assets and focus on being base camp and within the post it had one of the best lines ever, but I'm going to preface this by saying I emailed David when I was writing this article and before we we're going to do this podcast. And I said, Hey, you had this amazing quote. Can you just give me the exact quote? And I gave it to him. And it was, uh, quote, Harvard doesn't try to be the biggest university. It tries to be the best university. And they were saying they're not trying to be the biggest. They're trying to be the best. And David wrote back, he's like, I've looked everywhere. I can't find that quote anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. So I said David, that. If, if you're listening, <laughs> you're getting credit for the quote, whether you said it or not. It was yes. brilliant. But but my point is, I love that because they nailed the point of all of this that I want to be the most quality company, not just the biggest. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. Size should be relative to the need for size to drive yep. the outcomes you're trying to drive, right? Like there's this, you know, just growing for the sake of growing, there is no purpose to that, right? That's simply growth, right? Getting bigger doesn't mean getting better. And certainly getting bigger without getting better is is a massive issue. And I think that that's, it, it's interesting. And, and I know that uh, both Jason and DHH have touched on some of these things within, because it's something that they've talked about significantly, right? And it's not just that article um, wasn't just a point in time thing. This is a, a recurring theme for them around why they've chosen to kind of cap themselves at 50 people. Certainly, you know, within within culture, as you grow, as the team grows, you start to magnify the good. You also start to magnify the bad. And I think that generally speaking, something that's forgotten is you don't get to pick which parts grow. Like as you start to grow the organization, it all grows. You start to exponentially increase any inefficiencies that you had, any any challenges that you had culturally will become magnified. They will become bigger. Um, so it's not just the good bits that grow. It, it grows all together. And so I think that there are some points in time where you can deliberately decide like, look, we can actually achieve what we need and want to without simply getting there through growth. And, and it may be that growth is one path to that outcome. Right. You're talking like top line revenue, maybe maybe top line revenue is your is your your metric. And you say, OK, well, all we have to do is, is grow under our current conditions and we'll hit that. We'll hit that goal. But you could also say, let's improve quality and and therefore what we can charge for a product. It's the same way to get to top line growth without having to simply grow the volume. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, I can remember a few different instances where I've seen both sides of this equation where where growth wasn't necessarily a good thing. And I remember back in 2007, if I recall, uh, I was doing uh, an interview with uh, Craig Newmark from Craigslist. And uh, at the time, Craigslist was like 32 people. They were famously small. And at the time, I think they were a top 10, if not top 25 site on the entire internet, yeah. right? I mean, <laughs> unbelievable. And, and right. printing money. Right. I mean, hundreds of millions of dollars. Right. Yep. And I remember asking Craig about the um, the growth. And, and I said, boy, I mean, <laughs> I'm looking at the other companies that are on the list of the top 10, top 25, whatever it was at the time. And I said, all of those guys have the same number of people with a bunch of zeros behind them. <laughs> right. I right. Mean, like, yeah. <laughs> Yahoo was up there with them and they had like 10,000 yeah. people yep. at the time. And I said, I, you know, I've got to ask, uh, you've got the revenue, you've got the size, you've got everything. Why the hell are there only 32 people there? And he just had such a simple answer and it always stuck with me. He said, well, size equals dysfunction. And to your point, Ryan, the more you grow, the more you grow your dysfunction with it. And I remember thinking, I was like, that's such a stupid, simple answer. And the truth to it is just mind boggling. Yeah. And I thought to myself, Growth is a cost, and with that growth comes the cost of culture, the cost of control, the cost of a lot of things, right? Often the cost of quality of your product, et cetera, it doesn't always get better, and are you willing to sacrifice that? And I've been amazed at, at the, the folks that haven't been willing to sacrifice that and, and really stick to their guns, and I have so much respect for that. Okay, so you've got companies like Basecamp, you've got companies like Craigslist saying that, you know, growth isn't always good and that, you know, growth can, can actually be cancerous and it can increase dysfunction. Let's talk a little bit about where that manifests itself within the company. Okay, sure. I mean, I've seen it firsthand. My first company, Blue Diesel, you know, was an agency. Within the first few years, we won a huge, huge account 
pharmaceutical company of all things uh, called Eli Lilly. And when we won that account, we were were maybe 40 people. But after the account, we needed to add 250 people in the first year. You know, so we grew many times our size, literally hiring a new person every business day. So we went from a small, capable, nimble company to a not small, far less nimble, reasonably capable company in a year. (laughs) And, and, you know, and so what what did that actually look like? That looked like me getting on the elevator with eight other people who I didn't even know who they were. They knew who I was because one of the people that signed their checks, but not even knowing who they were. So culture goes to zero, right? I, I mean, it's horrible. It goes from being able to literally get everybody in the room and say, okay, now we're all moving left today to having to schedule a meeting to schedule a meeting to get everybody kind of in a room with their managers and mid-managers to get the message. I mean, brutal, right? Like in a year, Ryan, in one year, we went from one company to this other company. We were bigger. We were making hundreds of millions of dollars more. That sounded cool. Yeah. But it didn't make us a better company. You know, it made you a different company, right? And I I think that's a really interesting point. And and I I didn't hate it. I mean, it sounded like that's what we were supposed to do. But I got to tell you, you know, it it didn't feel better. Like, I I actually started to hate my job a little bit. You know, I, I enjoyed my job when I was part of the creative process. I hated my job when I was just a manager. Now, now that's personal, but dude, if I felt it, I'm sure other folks felt it and they were. It's such a common issue, though, in the the entrepreneurial space, right? As founders, we often start the business because we're passionate about the work itself. And then at some point, you you eclipse that that ability to just stay on the work and you have to start to work on the business instead of in the business. And it's a different thing, right? And and it it can become a very different role. And we've talked about this in another another discussion. But um, yeah, it's it's funny. You know, we talk about the Peter principle within individuals, right? Which is to say that you get promoted to your highest level of inefficiency, right? You start out as a dishwasher. You're a really good dishwasher. They make you a line cook. You're right. a really great line cook. They make you a sous chef. You're a really great sous chef. They make you a chef. You're a really great chef. They make you a regional manager. And you're like, what the f- fuck just happened and now you don't ever get promoted anymore and you're now stuck in a job that you're not good at and don't like but i've never heard anybody talk about the peter principle in terms of company size which which the same thing can happen right you hear about it and and we sort of know what happens right you grow to a certain point and either culture or something else begins to become problematic implodes and then and then there's a downturn or the company goes out of business i can think of a lot of examples funnily enough a lot of them are are restaurants right? Great local yeah. restaurant, really well-known, really well-respected, great food, great service, great, great, great. And then they're like, wow, this is so good and so easy. We should open a second and a third one. And then a year and a half later, you, they're all closed, right? And, right? and they all go away. And it's that, you know, there's a reason there's, a, there, you know, we talk about growing pains, right? And this is the manifestation of those. Ryan, I think you touched on something really big, which is lots of folks that are going to be listening to this are thinking about adding more people. They're going to be thinking, I need to grow, right? Like if I'm a good founder, if I'm a good entrepreneur, I need to add more people. I need to add more growth. And and, and while that seems to be a default state, do you? Right. And and let me just, let me just, please, you know, I'm not, I'm I'm not anti-growth here, right, at all. But what I am is anti-growth for the sake of saying you're growing, 
right? Yeah. Without a right. rational <laughs> argument. Against Adding it. 20 people to your headcount so you can flex your headcount, probably not the right reason to increase your headcount. And, and, and you know, this is, this is us eating our own dog food. We have exactly 171 people on payroll at startups.com right now. Yep. You and I will go back and forth for hours, days, weeks of whether we'll, there will be a 172nd person, right. right? And the preference is that there's not, by the way, right? I mean, our preference is how, how can we be most efficient at the size we are now? Yep. In the same way DHH was saying, hey, man, I don't want to hire a 51st person. We're in a hiring freeze. They have all the money in the world, but they don't want to be a bigger company, right? They, they don't want to be a different company. At 170 people, I mean, boy, that's a fair amount of people. But to be honest, it's right around the size where I still feel like we can kind of get everybody on the same page within a few hours and steer the ship. My fear is that as we grow beyond that, you know, in size and ability to move, that we lose a, a lot of the connectedness that makes us who we are. Does that mean we'll never hire the 172nd person? No, but it means we're not going to hire him just to say we're growing, right? Correct. I also think that forcing ourselves to look inward every single time we want to grow and say, is this the most efficient version of ourselves is, is just healthy. It is. Uh, you have to. I mean, we, we can't forget that the growth is actually predicated on success at all these other levels, right? It's it's the quality of the product. It's the quality and, and, and culture of the team. Um, and so you, you can't sort of say, well, we'll just grow... Uh, and and put those things by the wayside. Now you can do that for a period of time, and and then that will start. You'll start to rot from the inside, right? And then you know the the growth will no longer be sustainable. The uh, and 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 maybe not even you know as you've hit new new plateaus, new baselines uh, for performance, those might not even be sustainable, right? As you start to lose culture, lose quality, uh, and they're therefore lose customers, lose key staff, that can turn around really really quick. Uh, and, and you do see that happen, right? We, we've definitely seen plenty of examples of, of companies that went from rocket ship growth and it literally looks like the, the ball from Pong when it hits the other paddle, right? All, it just literally a, an immediate reflection in the opposite direction. Um, and I would argue that that is, that's, that's a result of improperly growing and, and not accounting for the fact that everything scales together. And that you have to be careful uh, as you do that to, to make sure that you're maintaining the same underlying organization that achieved that growth in the first place. Yeah, and, and I also think that growth is a liability, right? Let's 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 call it what it is, right? And yeah. again, a lot of the folks that are going to be listening, our fellow founders that are out there, are going to be thinking, "Man, I want to hire this one more gal, but man, now that's one more mouth to feed every month." Guess yep. what? It is. It's exactly the liability that you think it is. Right. And, and again, I'll go back to the example of Blue Diesel, the agency. You know, we started to grow really quickly. Well, at some point, a couple of years later, we had 10 million a month worth of payroll. Right. Yeah. 10 million a month of payroll. I mean, <laughs> there is no way to, to have that much payroll and not be so worried about it all the time. Of course. Right. Now, <laughs> here's what killed me. I thought that's what I wanted. I yeah, thought, yeah. man, once we're a big company, and by the way, any of you running professional services business of any type, we all think that if we can just get a little bit bigger, these problems of always having to worry about cash flow and payroll will go away. Spoiler alert, they don't. Yeah, they don't. <laughs> they get exponentially <laughs> worse yep. every time. 
Yeah. And so, so I thought once we hit those levels, we'd have so much cash coming in that I'd stop worrying about trying to kind of feed the beast. No, it's a hundred times harder because now what it takes to feed the beast, the size of an agency win we would have to pull down in order to keep servicing that liability is enormous. And by the way, the bigger you get, the fewer of those opportunities there are. And holy shit, if you lose one, if you lose a $10 million agency of record account, you know how hard it is to refill that, how long the sales cycles are and how few of those opportunities there are? That's exactly it. There's only so many food sources for an apex predator, right? Perfect. That's (laughs) great. You get that point and then, yeah, you just just run the risk of starving. Where I saw us kind of misaligned or just not focused, and, and we were a young company with young managers at the time, myself included, so I'll just you know, point, my, point the blame at myself, um, is that we hadn't, I guess maybe we just we weren't mature enough as people um, to, to be able to step back and say, what does our growth enable us to improve? Yeah. Right? And so if we were to look at it in current context, you know, kind of where, Ryan, where you and I are today and, and as we were building startups.com, what was important to us, you know, we wanted our growth to enable us to become a better company. And if we had to become a bigger company by virtue of revenue, staff, et cetera, the, the typical markers, so be it, but not at the expense of becoming a better company. So it's probably worth unpacking what was important to us, you know, what we looked at as far as being a better company and probably worth starting with, with culture because God, we spent so much time on that. You know what I mean? We did. Well, and it's interesting, you know, as, as we were talking at the very top of this discussion, uh, and we were talking about, you know, whether, whether growth was something that we cared to flex as, as, you know, we think about how our business is doing. I was thinking, you know, when we've talked in the past about all the things that we've optimized for, we didn't necessarily optimize for growth. One of the things that we've publicly talked about and we've made and, and internally it is a huge focus was optimizing for happiness and yes and and that is culture right and that is that is our culture and that's what we try to do to to improve our culture so yeah i think it's a great place to start and uh yeah so so let's let's go back in time a little bit and and, and do some sharing around how we came to that conclusion like why did we care more about growing our culture than, than growing our 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 footprint well, certainly because we had the benefit of doing it many times with many companies in the past and being <laughs> flipping miserable, right? <laughs> yep. Um, right. And so like, even when I was the agency and we were doing well, I was growing increasingly unhappy. And so were the people that were working in the company, even though by all outside metrics, it looked like we were doing great and we were. So I'm scratching my head being like, well, why are we so unhappy? Why am I so miserable going home every day? Yeah. And it's because there was no focus on making us happier, giving us more time with our families, uh, allowing us to be able to spend more of the day working on stuff we really cared about versus just shit client work. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. Now, I went through the exact same thing and with with my agency, which never got to 10 million in payroll, but we got to a very painful point in payroll. Um, and I just remember like with every additional staff member that that we added at one point, it was... A, there was a direct correlation to my anxiety level around making the payroll and, and in a decrease in terms of my, my enjoyment of running the company uh, because every new person we added just made me more of a manager and, and less of a creative. And it just, it, it really cost me in terms of my enjoyment. Um, and I think it actually drove, uh, it was, it was a huge driver in terms of my decision to then sell the company. I think I could have I could have ridden out longer, gotten more money for it, 
Um, but ultimately, at that point, I was unhappy enough to uh, running the company that I was super happy that the idea that I could unload it and take some cash. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think one of the things we did a good job of, and I'm, I'm proud that we've stuck to our guns, although it was really hard, um, are things like in, in the formation of the company, we said things like, we want a company that enables us to spend more time with our families, right? Yep. It, it, and honestly, that's fairly antithetical at the beginning because time is something you just don't have very much of when you're, you're in a startup, you know, create something from nothing phase. Correct. But we knew that was a persistent goal, right? We knew that being able to, to free up our time uh, was going to be something that our growth would enable. And so I remember when we started out, this is, you know, obviously it's been seven years, but this is a few years into it. Do you remember when we first proposed doing work from home Wednesdays? Like it sounded like crazy that everybody <laughs> in a company could just work yeah. from home on a Wednesday. Yeah. And it was I, heresy I, in the startup space. Yeah. <laughs> It really was. And I remember like there's these two halves of me. One half of me was like, this is the, the most brilliant progressive thing in the world. That's like the Democrat and the Republican here. And the other side of me was, and how are you going to pay for it? Right? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> how are you going to pay for this luxury? Right? And Mexico is uh, going to pay. Yeah. <laughs> I can tell you, like, uh, it wound up being um, amazing for us, right? And yep. now we're to the point where the entire company works from home on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, right? And so what what our growth has enabled us to do is give people more flexibility. It's, it's allowed us to increase maternity coverage, paternity coverage. It's allowed us to offer all kinds of benefits that we, we, we weren't able to offer. We were just too small at the time. Um, and I don't know th they didn't even arise, by the way, out of, out of what I think are like kind of uh, uh, bullshit things that people try to do is like, well, if we offer the more benefits like free snacks, et cetera, uh, in a ping pong table, it'll get more engineers to come work for our company. Like right. it, that never occurred to us. Like we were just yeah. like, who cares about who might come to work for our company? Let's talk about the people who do work for our company. Absolutely, man. I mean, the, the investments that we've made in, in culture have, have paid dividends. And one of the places that I think it's, it's paid us back uh, is something that's really important to me, which is improving the quality of our product. It turns out when you have a, a really happy, um, eager staff who feels appreciated and works in an environment where where they they really are are able to thrive in real ways as real humans, not Hawaiian shirt Friday bullshit right. stuff, <laughs> right, but right, real right. things that actually improve their lives. We can take a step from that point and say, let's let's improve on our product and let's make our customers' lives better, right? Yeah, imagine that, right? It's not like any of us is sitting around thinking, oh boy, um, you know, I really want to buy the, the iPhone next year because Apple grew 20% year over year, right? I mean, like, like, <laughs> that's true. Yeah. I only shop at companies who crush their metrics. Yeah, exactly. You know, and it's funny because you look at all these companies talking about how they're growing like crazy and raising money and doing all these things. And I'm like, dude, your product hasn't changed in years, right? Like, like you have a dog yeah. shit product, right? Like, yep. how is, any of you raising another round or or reorganizing your your management structure or what the hell else you're doing like you got the same damn product <laughs> yeah. you know right. i mean and, and i look at huge companies right that are now kind of legacy companies uh yahoo would be would be a a, a flaming example but um Oof. you know even ebay etc it's like man you guys have been at this for a long time you know you've got a lot of money at your disposal why isn't your product any better right yeah and i, I by the way I know, I know how dysfunctional those companies get, but isn't this sort of our point? But that is the point, right? And so when you grow to that size, your ability to change, adapt, and stay relevant really becomes an issue. 
right? And eBay is a great example of that. You know, they they absolutely crushed and let's they created the e-commerce market that we know now. Like they were a big part of how we had uh, enough, uh, you know, uh, trust in e-commerce to to really turn the corner and start buying lots of stuff online. And yet they fell from grace fairly quickly. Um, and I'd say that a lot of that was because they grew so fast uh, that they lost touch with the fact that, A, I think when you hit a certain level of growth, a certain size in a company, what you're too big to fail, right? We've, we've all, we've all heard that one and know, know, know how sure, that ends. Sure. Uh, and so, yeah, so I think it's a great example. Yeah, well, I, I think that uh, from both the team itself, right? And you were saying, hey, you know, the product is really important to me. Um, and, and the team's interest and passion for making it a better product, sometimes you need resources to grow. You need maybe more developers, et cetera. I, I get that. But more often than not, this growth and this kind of internal politicking starts to become the focus of a company. And, you know, interestingly, when I was uh, sitting down with with David from Basecamp, I don't know, it's maybe a year ago uh, when we were both in LA, he and I were having a discussion about this. And, you know, he mentioned something to the effect of, hey, the reason we're on a hiring freeze is because we don't want to become the type of company that starts to need departments for things, right? <laughs> and so, yeah. so I would equate that to once you're big enough that you need an HR department, you might, you might not be the company you want to be anymore. Right. And yeah. I'm not being anti HR department, but just talking about like true administrative functions. Right. And a lot of the times, uh, that kind of growth, that kind of internal infrastructure starts to become the focus of the company. Right. People forget about this. Right. When you go to work yeah. for a big company, so much of your day to day focus is what gym and marketing is working on or the politic issues or the, um, uh, the issues we have between our department and the other department or why we can't get budget for what we're trying to do. If you were to zoom out in some of these companies and say, dude, how much time do you spend specifically talking to and or working for your customers? In some cases, Ryan, it's zero. Zero. Right? Yep. Because the attention shifts inward. Yep. And I think one thing that that we've done very well at startups is we've kept our focus outward. You know, I mean, there's almost literally no politicking here, right? Right, right. And Which, we're, we're a flat enough structure that I think it allows that. I think that the minute you, you start to departmentalize and silo things, you, you run the risk of that happening. When finance simply becomes a function uh, of, of the numbers, right? When you forget what generates those numbers, I think that becomes a problem. Uh, when HR becomes solely internalized and you're not thinking about how am I, you know, okay, I'm solving these people's problems at an individual level. Great. Um, you know, we're, we're doing everything we can uh, for our staff internally, but we forget as we apply these HR policies, as we apply um, benefits and, and everything else that we're doing, if we forget how does this enable us to do the thing that we want to do most, I think it's really dangerous. Yeah. And listen, I think with our staff, I don't want folks to be sitting down going, how do I impress my boss, right? I want them to go impress their customer, <laughs> our customer, yeah, right? right? The founders that we work with, it's a right? Great way to impress um, your boss. Yeah, well, yeah, and, and by way of that, I'll be impressed. But but at the end of the day, I, I don't want our organization to become something where, where the only way to grow is to get inwardly focused around politicking and one-upping other people, et cetera, and, you know, and, yeah. and winning in a meeting uh, whatever argument you're trying to make. Like that just, yeah. it's a huge waste of time. It's not the company we want to be. And my guess is it's not the company anybody else wants either. 
and yet it happens. Yeah. It does. No, it does. And I think people people lose track of of focusing on what actually matters and celebrating the the right kinds of wins. Right. Like a promotion, all that. It's it's a great win. Right. And but that shouldn't be that's 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 the byproduct of another win. Right. And I think we've done a really good job of this, too, by the way, uh, which is that we do share our wins, our client wins. Every time another company gets funded or or gets connected to somebody, something good happens. One of our right. consultants, you know, really nails a call with somebody and gets some great feedback. We share that company wide. Right. Agreed. And, and I'd Agreed. say we're at a size now where that no longer makes just pure intuitive sense. When you're a three person company, of course, everybody knows everything. But I think that even as you get to the point where you've got more than one person in any given role, you're at a size where it maybe doesn't make intuitive sense that everybody sort of knows everything, right? You have to be right. careful how you go about it. But I think we've done a really good job of balancing that and making sure that we're celebrating wins across the board and giving everybody a chance to, to kind of celebrate those little wins and, and, and to understand how what we do impacts our customers, right? Taking what we do on the outside and bringing that back inside, internalizing it, celebrating it. Um, and I think that that has, has had an impact on both our culture and our product. And I would argue that it, we, we use those things to determine whether we're growing appropriately or not, right? We, we may say there's a month where top line revenue didn't change, but my God, we got, you know, 28% increase in, in our customer satisfaction surveys. That feels good, right? We did something right. We grew in a way that we feel is appropriate and, and powerful for the future of the company. I also think that it just makes us generally happier, right? Yep. And, and I know we talk about this, and, yeah. I, and I, man, I, I really hope that folks, when they hear us talk about how we're trying to optimize for happiness or grow for happiness, that they just don't think we're this touchy-feely organization, you know, we're this new AG kind of organization, and we don't care about, you know, things like revenue, et cetera. Dude, we care about all that stuff, probably more than oh, you yeah. do, right? Um, <laughs> but but the, the point is, uh, we've realized that it's not just that. Yes, we have to focus on the numbers. I'm our CFO also. I have to focus on the numbers, right? Um, it's, it's not that I've overlooked that. But I don't want to focus on the numbers at the expense of my happiness, right? And, and, and by, by way of me, I literally mean the entire organization, right? Yeah. And when I talk to other founders and, I, and we talk about the growth of the organization, I almost always ask, are you happier? Nine times out of 10, people look at me like they don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Like, oh, yeah, the family's finally. I'm not talking about your family, right? I mean, yeah. your team. Are, are you healthier, happier than you were a year ago? Well, the business yep. has grown, so I guess I'm happier. Really, you've got giant circles under your eyes. You look like you haven't slept uh -huh. in a month, right? <laughs> um, yeah. I always have them, so nobody can make that comment, right? Um, right. And, and people look at me like, you know, what do you mean happier? Can you define that? First off, it's fucked up that I even have to explain that. Right, right. <laughs> the fact that I have I'm happier. Point. I'm happy that we're growing. Will yeah, that it, right? <laughs> I mean, like, like no, like okay. Um, but is this organization? Is what you're doing? Is your job? Your career? Uh, you know, again, we're talking about startups here. Making you happier? Are you doing the things that are actually improving your life in any given way? And I hate to say it, the answer is typically no. Yeah. Right, yeah. and that's pretty friggin' sad. Yeah, I mean, growth and happiness. I don't think that they have to come at the expense of one another. Um, but I think that if you simply focus on growth, uh, that it is likely that, that happiness will, will decrease. Um, well, yeah. And at the end it, of the day, I mean, we have to go back to like, why are we doing all this? Exactly. Right. 
And again, what I tend to see is an organization where everybody in the organization is just flipping miserable, right? And you have to ask yourself at some point, what are we doing here? Yeah. Right now, now there's a time and a place where you just have to buckle down and work, right? You know, and again, I did that for decades where I just worked every waking hour. Yep. And, and what's true, in most cases, I was pretty happy, but I was also the founder of the company. So my happiness was a little bit different. I was watching my baby come alive. I was yep. willing to do pretty much anything that needed to be done to make that happen. You know, I was willing to make sacrifices that that didn't have the same kind of intimate payoff that that it had for the rest of the organization. So their happiness wasn't quite the same. But now I'm looking at it, you know, later on here in life a bit differently. And I'm saying, if what I'm doing is just making me hollow and miserable, then I'm not growing. I, I, I can't sit in front of people and say, this is going really well, because I'm full of shit yeah. at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And we talked about this before, but it maps back to this notion that, well, I'll just put in the time now. We're going to grow at the expense of my happiness, but that's okay, because after the growth, then this other thing will happen. And, and then that's when I'll be happy and that'll be really great. It's this whole concept of just deferring outcomes, right? I'm going to defer my happiness so that I can achieve this other thing instead. And I think it's such a dangerous mentality. It's also bullshit. I mean, no, yeah. <laughs> you're going to defer your happiness. Later on, you're just going to be unhappy about something else. Uh, yep. I know this from personal experience. I was yep. talking to a buddy, a buddy of mine yesterday that uh, grew a $100 million company, uh, sold it. Has yet, this is years ago, has yet to find happiness. Now, I'm not saying because one yeah. guy was unhappy that you won't find happiness. I'm saying because every flipping founder I talk to that sold a company has gone through very much the same catharsis thinking yeah. that if I, to your point, Ryan, if I defer everything now, that I'll be able to get it back later, right? And that's, that's often the founders who often have the, the most to gain. Yeah. But take that even further than the founders. Take all, all the folks that are in the organization should they all be really deferring their entire lives, times with their time with their kids, the vacations they'll never take, probably in most cases yep. all of their twenties, um, for some like minor reward that they may get later? It's kind of bullshit. It is bullshit. It is bullshit. It's bad for you. It uh, you know, and, and it doesn't have to. It doesn't have to go that route, right? I think that there is a, a balance that you can have, and and again, it goes back to defining why you're growing. So since, since this is all about growth, let's go back to talking about why we want to grow in the first place. All right? right. Before we even get into what the potential trade-offs would be, let's make sure that there's actually a return on this, right? We were talking about deferment of happiness, of, of time, of all these things. You literally cannot earn interest on happiness. So if you bank it now, you don't get more of it later. That's not how the right. shit works. Same thing with time. It just right. goes, right? They're just missed opportunities. So before we even get into making those trade-offs and saying like, okay, well, if we grow, it's going to cost us this. And I think I'm okay with that. Let's talk about why the hell we're trying to grow in the first place, right? What is the goal of the growth? Correct. And, and what I see is very little focus, Ryan, on uh, founders, founding teams saying, what are our goals beyond revenue? What are the things yeah. that, are, that are absolutely important to us? Um, that we're trying to use goal growth to enable, right? Because the, the whole purpose of this whole thing should, in part, be to enable us to achieve personal goals. But I rarely hear people even have that conversation, much less list them out, much less ever talk about having achieved them, right? Sure. 
ours were crazy deliberate, right? Like, again, I mentioned this, like, and we've talked about this before. We went into this thing with very specific personal goals. You know, one of them that I remember sitting on the couch with, with you and a few other folks in the, uh, in the conference room saying, I want to spend more time with my kids, right? (laughs) Like the the goal of growth at startups.com will, will enable me to spend more time with my kids. And, and Ryan, you and I were talking about this yesterday. That's exactly what happened. Yeah. I'm trying to picture that on like a, a major corporate dashboard using SAP, right? (laughs) Time spent with children is down 18% this year. We've got to do something to fix this, right? I would love to see that. Never going to happen. Yeah. My kids would love to see that too. Um, yeah, but, but, uh, here, here's what I would love. You know, if I, if I were to encapsulate this a little bit, Ryan, here's what I would love. I'd love to be able to sit down with more founders and say, how are things going? And have them say, look, you know, business health is good. You know, uh, finances are good. Ergo, I, I'm not in some kind of other trouble that we should probably be talking about. But man, here's what I'm really pumped up about right now. Um, I was able to give everybody in the staff uh, an extra week of vacation every year, and they're all taking it. And man, the places these people are going are amazing. I was able to institute some work from home. Now people are getting to see their kids more often. I was able to um, achieve some of the things I wanted to achieve personally because the business enables me to get more freedom uh, within the business. Like to me, that's really awesome. And and what's crazy about all of all of those things is they typically don't require you to grow at all. Yet that's all the shit that you're trying to get growth <laughs> to enable. Yep. Yeah. I think it's important to consider, right? Like as you grow your business, are you going to be on top of it or underneath it, right? Is the growth of the company actually what's going to elevate you to whatever it is you want to do next? Personal goals, company goals, whatever. Or is it just going to trap you? And we've given, you know, 20 scenarios earlier in the discussion around how this can have those negative impacts. I think is before you even start to grow, think about which side of that growth you're going to be on. You're going to be standing on top of the growth curve or are you going to be buried in it? And unfortunately, I, I think that the way most people approach it by not being deliberate enough in being honest with themselves about what they actually care to achieve, they end up underneath the curve and they just get, they just get suffocated by it. Yeah. Or, or like me early in the process in my career, you just assume growth is the only metric for success. And so you pursue growth at the expense of everything else blindly, yep. really, because you just assume that all companies that are that are meaningful grow and they grow in all ways they have to, whether they want to or not. And I got to tell you, it's total bullshit. The truth is the goal is to find out what you want to be really good at and grow to exactly the size you need to be to be the absolute best. That's a wrap for this episode of the Startup Therapy Podcast. This is Ryan Rutan on behalf of my partner, Will Schroeder, and all the Startups.com family thanking you for joining us. And we hope you'll continue to join us. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and comment on iTunes or wherever you love to listen to Startup Therapy. You can find all of our episodes at Startups.com slash podcast. If you're looking for more amazing resources to launch or grow your startup, be sure to head to startups.com and check out Startups Unlimited. It's everything we have to offer, from our online university to our amazing community of experts and founders, and even all the tools we've built like BizPlan, Fundable, and LaunchRock. It's everything a founder needs. Visit startups.com slash begin. That's startups.com slash B-E-G-I-N. You'll thank me later. 